So if you're new with us, we are going through the book of Ephesians. It's one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote while he was in prison. And as we've mentioned a number of times, that reality right there is shocking. When we look at the amount of joy that this man had, the amount of hope, the amount of security, the amount of strength, and that he was trying to pass it on to others. Because if we just look in our own life and try to put ourselves in the context of if we were in prison unjustly, with an uncertain future, you know, locked down, and our future on earth is held in the hands of an unjust emperor who was known to dip Christians in tar and light up his front yard with them alive. And in that context, Paul writes four letters. And the themes in them are joy and strength and power and peace and security and hope. And he's just a man, just a normal person who's encountered an extraordinary God. And so we are enjoying the testimony of Paul and the encouragements he has for us and the truth because the same Jesus that changed his life and made him such a powerful person is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So thank you, Jesus, that you are available and present and with us and desiring to just do more. So on that note, let's pray. I always like to just pray as we get into God's word and recognize our dependence on God. Jesus, we thank you that you are real and present and powerful, perfect and personal. And as we open your word this morning, we pray that you would just remove from any of our minds or our hearts any little tiny pieces or vestiges of Ah, we're just going through the motions. No. We are here because you are alive and risen and on the throne and powerful and passing out gifts by your spirit to help your people come more alive one day at a time. And so we ask that your spirit would flow through our, our hearts, our minds in this place and may we encounter Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So real briefly, as just a kind of bit of context, we were in Ephesians chapter 2 last time. We're going to be in the second half of the chapter this morning. The first nine verses were some extraordinary truth, the basics of the gospel, if you will, where it says that we were dead in sin, we were dead in our sin. That's just a, a hard truth to confront, but it's all throughout the Bible, and our lives confirm it that apart from God, we will just make a mess of our lives. Humanity bears that to be true every day, that we are broken, we are fallen, 
We are hurting and we hurt others. We've made a mess of our lives. The Bible calls that dead in sin. Sin actually just means we missed the mark. We've missed the mark. So on our own strength, we are going to miss the true essence of what life is about. So we were dead in sin, it says. However, even while we were enemies of God, even while we were dead, even while we were in rebellion, it says God didn't leave us there. There's that incredible phrase in verse 4 that says, but God, who's rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses or in our sins. So it's this beautiful picture of God's love that didn't leave us where we were at, even when we were dead, even when we were in our full-blown sin, rebellion, running away from God. That's when God loved us, when he had mercy on us, and he sent his son to live that perfect life, to show us what we are made for, to show us the fullness of humanity in perfect covenant relationship with God, to meet that holiness and righteousness, to be able to be in God's presence, and then he died on our behalf. And as we celebrated last week, he rose again to prove it like no one in history has. And all of that was while we were in rebellion. So we just looked at that beautiful truth as it goes on to say, so we are therefore saved by faith, and this is a gift. We just grab onto it. It's a gift of grace that we can't earn. It's just a gift. And so we grab onto it. We can't work for it. And that's where we left off last week. And we want to pick up, so in verses 8 to 10. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. This is the gift of God, not a result of works so no one can boast. Nobody can say, yeah, I earned it. Nope, this is not a result of works, it's a gift. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Or a better translation might be, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. So Paul goes on this, he went on this last week we saw, kind of this long section that we're not saved by works, it's all grace, but he immediately then turns our attention to the truth that though we are not saved by works, we are saved for works. And what he goes on to say is that in eternity past, and that's that word of God prepared beforehand. So this is this gets this picture in our minds. In eternity past, beforehand, before we were even born, before our mother and father even ever thought of us, be way beforehand. In eternity past, when God designed you, he had specific intentional ways that each of us are going to reflect his goodness to the world. That's the good things that we were created to do. Good works, it says in here. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So one of the beautiful, and we just prayed this. I mean, this is real. This is a, a, an incredible source of hope. We just prayed it for Ezekiel Edwin, 
One of the beautiful purpose-filled realities of becoming a child of God is that we get to step in line with those eternal purposes of the good things that God created us to do. So good, in fact, that God calls them, Paul calls them a masterpiece. You probably don't see it in your translation, but that is an appropriate translation of that word workmanship. That's an okay translation. I'm not a fan that we are God's workmanship. That's a little bit more uh, machine-like when the actual word is poema from where we get the word poem from an artist writing poetry. So I like, I believe it's the NLT, National, or no, National, New Living Translation. Yes, watch out for that one. The New Living Translation, which says that we are God's masterpiece. That captures the artist sense of the word. That God is a poet. And in eternity past, in, your, in creating you, in creating all of his beloved children and seeing the body of Christ to come together, this was a poet weaving a masterpiece. It looked poetic to God. There's artistry, there's beauty, there's design in how it all fits together to reflect God to the world in the good things that we do that God uniquely has wired all of us to do that reflect him. And then that last little piece in there is that we should walk in them. I just want to highlight, this is a phrase that happens over and over in these prison letters of Paul, and that it's that word that we should walk, and it's the word life, the word live. And so what Paul's saying is, this is just part of our new life in God, just like walking. It's that basic it's that normal. It's that, it's that every day. That we're saved by grace. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for these good things that he's uniquely, artistically, poetically designed us to do. It's just now part of life. It's a privilege of walking with Jesus as walking in these Holy Spirit-empowered good things, good works that reflect God to the world. Just part of life. And Paul turns their attention then. I mean, that whole, that, that, that one, those two little verses right there are worthy of a whole, uh, I mean, just deep study of what does that mean to be God's masterpiece, to find those unique ways and discover what he's designed us to do, to develop those things. We'll come back at another time. We've, we talk about that a lot because it's so significant. But what I want to focus on this morning is where Paul immediately turns their attention as a primary example of living out with Jesus, just this, this new walk that's just normal, just like walking, this is how normal it should be, one of the good works or good things that God has designed us to do in Christ that should be as normal as walking, and that's being barrier breakers in the world that tear down walls of hostility. And it should be as normal as walking. Let's read it. Starting at verse 10, and then we'll go right into it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are his masterpiece, the poema of God, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should just live in them, walk in them. It's as normal as walking. Therefore... 
So this immediate, therefore, here's your action plan. Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, it's like, so here's the practical application of what I'm talking about. So here's your application of just walking out these good works, these good things that Christ created us to do. Remember at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, so in Christ Jesus, we're created in Christ. It's that same language from verse 9 and 10 that we're just supposed to live out. But now in Christ, you who have, excuse me, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. So right there, he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, where the circumcision, the uncircumcision, that's the labels that they have been called. You see that language? Called the uncircumcision, called the circumcision. So these are these ancient walls of division and hostility. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his body the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and the commandments expressed in ordinances in order that he, Jesus, might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached to you, peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have, one ac- have access in one spirit to the Father. Then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens and with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you are also are being built together into a dwelling place for God <laughs> it's like what the place where God lives by the spirit now this is the whole book could be written and I'm sure it has been this is so much content in depth so it's like okay in the next 20 minutes I don't do we just get some of the golden nuggets from God's word so I'll do my best so one of the remembering the context is so key one of the primary good works that we are created for to walk in to live in it's supposed to be as normal as walking is being barrier breakers. This is in the passage. The whole thing's around that central picture of breaking down 
ancient walls of hostility, those dividing walls that separate people. In this case, it's specifically talking about the absolute animosity between Jew and Gentile, where they had gone physically to war in countless occasions. They're, they're really, as in many places in the world, where groups have become so divided and so full of hostility toward one another that they have fought one another to the death. Sadly, countless times in the world. That is sin on display over and over, divisions of hostility. And Paul says, Jesus was on the cross to break down those ancient dividing walls of hostility. And what is dramatic is that he makes incredibly clear that it's not just the dividing wall of hostility between God and humanity, which we've got that down pretty well. That idea of salvation is the reconciliation between me and God, between God and humanity. God offers that. We want to receive that. That's 100% true. But in this passage, Paul makes it abundantly clear that that is not the only thing, that's not the only dividing wall of hostility that Jesus was literally on the cross breaking down. The other major one is the dividing walls of hostility between humanity, between one another. It's right there in verse 14. He himself is our peace who has made us both one, so these two groups that hate each other, us both. I mean, so think in our world, how dramatic of a statement is this? If, if Paul's writing to you and says, maybe he doesn't name it, maybe he just says, picture in your mind that group of other that you hate enough to go to war to and know that God's heart is he has made both of us one, and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. What's the purpose? So that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So it is, they are absolutely intertwined. You cannot separate, is this talking about the hostility between God and humanity or the dividing walls of humanity and humanity? And Paul absolutely mixes them on purpose to say this is what Jesus was doing on the cross. It's all part of the same thing. So in other words, to say, I'm reconciled to God, but I don't care about being reconciled to people, is to rip the gospel apart. Because Paul is literally using them in the same breath as interchangeable, all parts of the same thing. That God's heart is to create one new humanity out of the two, to tear down the dividing walls of hostility, to make us both 
one and kill the hostility between one another and reconcile us both as one body to God. So that's where as we're getting into these aspects of being a barrier breaker, three things very quickly. I've already talked about the first one. This is that we've got to see ourselves as ambassadors of reconciliation with the heart to see walls come down. Why? Because it's God's heart on the cross. The love of God compels us. This is where we need to lead with our heart because this is God's heart. We should not be okay with, these, with permanent walls of hostility, permanent walls of division. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross so that they wouldn't exist. That shouldn't be enough to be like, this is what, man, that's God's heart. So I want to live this out. This is just as normal to me as walking because it's so core to God's heart that the ancient divisions and walls of hostility have to be torn down because they were torn down by his blood on the cross in order to create one humanity. So this is a place to let us be, be led with our heart. The love of God compels us. I love that phrase that Paul uses in other places. It's the love of God that compels us. Why does Paul say that? Well, because it's the love of God that compelled God to go to the cross. While we were enemies... While we were in rebellion, while we were dead, while we wanted nothing to do with him, it was the heart of God, the love of God that compelled him. It wasn't the logic of God that says, man, they hate me. This is a good idea. I should die on the cross for them. While they're dead and in rebellion and they have chosen to be my enemies and say, I don't want you. Man, it sounds like a great, smart decision to die for these people. doesn't so that's where for me I personally feel like this I need to remember that in this picture that's painted in Ephesians I've got to let my heart lead this I've got to let the heart of God lead me not saying oh is it is it logically feasible to desire to see walls come down is it is it can I do that on my own strength can I see that happen oh there's so much there's so many of those in the world that maybe I should just uh, let that one go and just figure that God will take care of it all in his timing and just look forward to heaven. Because right now that would be really hard given our world, given historical precedent, given how many walls there are, given how many different divisions and places of hostility. That's all logic, right? That reasons us out of the heart of God that just says, be about it. It's going to be hard. You're probably going to fail. You might see walls coming down slowly. You might get rejected. You might get persecuted. You might not see a whole lot. But is that all the logic that said that for Jesus to go on the cross? Or is it the love of God that compelled him? Is it that Ephesians 1 where it says, in love, he predestined us. In love, it was the overflowing, undeserved, agape goodness of God that says, I'm coming after you even though you're not even coming my way at all. So to embody that heart, 
which is the gospel, into the fuller gospel, which is in Ephesians 3, that says reconciliation with God and humanity and humanity with humanity are all the same tied up thing in the heart of God, and Jesus went to the cross for it, that tells me I, I, I don't have to have this all together. I don't have to have it figured out. I don't even have to be successful in knowing how to do it. God, give me an opportunity to model your heart, which says where, are there, where there are divisions of hostility and humanity, may I be a barrier breaker. As you step into this, you will feel the heart of God flowing through you in a way that's, whoa, okay, now the gospel is becoming really, really real. And I know it. I feel it. It happens, as I've shared with you guys before, and it's just this recent example. We've been trying, my wife and I and family have been trying to live this for years but one recent example that just, oh, I can feel this is where the gospel gets real is as we were, my middle son and I go and we play basketball down in one of the public parks on a fairly regular basis, a weekly almost, where we're down there, we're playing, and I've you know, told some stories about how it's fun because I'm the old man and those kind of things and all that stuff. And, uh, but the reality is, if we want to look at the divisions and the walls of hostility according to how the world defines them, most of the people there, I couldn't be more different than. There couldn't be more walls up according to the world. I am a different race. I'm a different age. I'm a different socioeconomic class. I'm a different education level. I'm a different religion I mean, you literally can check all of the, you know, most divisive boxes that our world has to offer. So what do we go in there, my son and I? And he has modeled this incredibly. Let's go break down some barriers with love. Friendship's an amazing way to break down barriers. Just love. I mean, just starting with the posture of love. I'm not saying that's the only thing because it can get incredibly complex and complicated. But there's, there's, there's some particular guys that we have been befriending for several years. And, 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 and just we're aware of the barriers because the world says they're there. And I'll be honest, in a moment here, the Bible recognizes dividing walls of hostility. But we just come saying, does it have to be much more complicated than just taking the heart of God that says, I love people. God loves people. So I'm going to try to live that out and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to teach me and grow me and give me stuff in the moment to just help various barriers coming down. I'm not coming with like, well, here's my list. So I know there's five walls of hostility between us. So let's get to work. Like, nah, a little at a time. And, and it was a beautiful moment where there was, there was a couple guys that we hadn't seen in about a year for, because of the, the pandemic and stuff, and everybody kind of scattered and, you know, stayed in the cave for a while. And anyways, just saw a couple guys. And they, they, they know from our several years of building relationship that, that I'm a pastor. And so I try to hide that on purpose. I do for a while because tell, that's another division, dividing wall of hostility. It is in many places to where people assume negative things about me. Like I've heard it 
more times than I want to. Where it's like, whoa, really? Like, okay, like you don't know me, but because I'm a pastor, I'm this, you know? And like a, a big one is like cussing, you know, like it's hilarious. Like where as my, like some of my neighbors, should I tell the story? Yeah, why not? Uh, <laughs> when we first moved in, it was building relationship with my neighbors. Great guy. Like have a lot of fun with him. And like, but there's, you know, there's differences, there's walls and everything. And uh, as soon as, you know, I, 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 I know I've done this long enough to know that for some people, pastors like wall, no, no, thanks. You're bringing judgment. You're bringing, you know, holier than thou, all this stuff. And so, uh, it, it came out, unfortunately, that he asked, you know, what do you, what do, you do for them? Blah, blah, blah. I'm a pastor. And he immediately, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I use this bad language. I'm so sorry. And he just like, I grew, and then he starts telling the stories of where he grew up and how he was judged and how just like, oh, it's about, you know, if you say a cuss word, then God's so mad at you. Like, and so I said, you know what, brother? I don't give up about the words that you say. Now, you can fill in the blank. It was, it was PG-13. You can imagine. But I did that in the moment to just be like, that's not Jesus. I'm not saying like, you know, cuss like a sailor because that's good and healthy for you. But I'm saying if you think that's a barrier between you and God, if that's like the barrier that like that's all you know about God, let me break that wall down for you right now, brother. I don't even know why I'm talking about this stuff. <laughs> oh, it came out that it was a pastor. I, was, I mean, not that I was a pastor. A couple years ago with some friends at the park and, and in similar fashion, where it's like, you know, it came out in, okay, it came out in a good way. I mean, decent way. But then when I saw him, a couple, couple guys, right after the, you know, pandemic was over and people started coming back out, well, I mean, Okay, we're out there in defiance, you know, <laughs> playing basketball because we're so bad. And, and it was just interesting. I hadn't seen him in like a year, and his comment was like, hey, hey, how's your church going? And I was like, oh, it's actually great, like thriving, really good. Thank you. Thanks for asking. He's like, yeah, I, I think you'd be a really good pastor. Now, this, this young man, is every check in the box different than me that's possible in our world standards? Religion, race, education, ethnicity, background, whatever. Uh, he's a guy, so oh, we got one bond. We play basketball. Like, but it, so that was a very interesting comment. Hmm. So what, what, what's happened that you are interested in that? You want to talk about that? You brought that up? And then the next week, by relationship and just love, we end up, after playing some ball together, we end up going jacuzzi. And he wants to talk about God. And he, for two hours, we have a conversation about everything from how do you know God is real to could you tell me some stories about how God talks to you to Literally, so why did God come to earth? And so why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And he's, he is initiating all of it. And it was, to me, a beautiful, encouraging, powerful example of I'm literally coming with my son with not much more than I know this is your heart, God, 
So help me love some people. And, and walls are coming down. Many walls. Walls that our world says cannot come down. And, and to me, that's, that, it's, that's just the beginning for, for our relationship. We've been friends for several years, but it's like taking that long-term view of what is God doing, that's, that, we're, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. We have a, a genuine friendship. Several walls ha, ha, are, are crumbling, but there's the long view of, but we're friends, and this is on God's timing in a way that honors you. You're not a project. You're a genuine, beloved person of God, and I'm just trying to genuinely be your friend and love God. We connected. We have fun. We laugh together. We, we laugh about we're kind of bad at basketball, but we've got a tiny little skill set, and when we come together on a team with your, your skills and my skills, it's kind of like Nacho, you know, your skills plus my skills in the ring, and we actually do a little decent stuff. We, have, we win some games. But walls are coming down that the world says can't come down. And it's, it's exciting. It's really, really exciting because as it's happening, I'm like, whoa. This is Ephesians 3. This is the gospel. More of the fullness of the gospel that, that I want to learn how to live in. If, it's, if, if it was so important to God that Jesus was on the cross for it, that should be good enough for me. So God, help me fumble along the way and, 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 and try to live out your heart. But man, that, there is a, a coming alive that of three years of just love that when now a two-hour time where he's asking the questions, and, 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 and I'm sharing, and just sharing testimony, just sharing real life examples of how I know God speaks and how he's personal and busted out my phone with some pictures to prove it kind of a thing where it's like, here's how I know God has spoken. Like, it was so powerful. I had to take a picture and these various things where it's like, this is just real life. This kind of like Paul's doing, I'm just sharing testimony. This isn't challenging. If God's real, I should be able to share that when someone asks, how do you know God's real? <laughs> if I have an actual relationship with God. So it doesn't have to be really complicated. And then the more kind of theological deep questions come. But what he really wants to know is, is God real? Is he personal? Does that make a difference in your life or just ideas? So that's really where it started. It was interesting. Anyways, it feels amazing to be able to see like, wow, the world says this guy is not my friend. The world says this is, there are way too many walls, ancient walls of hostility that still exist and God says, no, just come on, man. Don't worry about all that. They're real, but come on the journey with me. And, and let me just, little by little, show you how to live out my heart. And so I'm going to pause there for today. We got a couple more. Maybe we'll come back to it at some point. Uh, but I know we're already over time. So uh, let me just pray, and we'll, we'll just sit right here for a minute. So